trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with the hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a solo podcast with your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey everybody, welcome to In Broad Daylight, a solo news and politics podcast featuring my favorite co-host of all, nobody, just me, no guests, just me, you, and an empty room filled with haunted dolls and glittery ass curtains. Talking about the studio where I record, I don't know what your room is like, but it should be like that because it's fucking cool. Anyway, how is everyone doing As always, you know I can't hear you when you answer me, but I can feel it. So tell me how you're doing, but just once, because it hurts when I feel it. It hurts tremendously, but only my body. It makes my mind feel great. So, this is the first episode in a while. Don't be alarmed by that. I was just taking a little break to get back in the flow of writing again regularly, which I'm doing now at medium.com slash unpops. Go check that out. Click the uh, applause button at the bottom, and I get money for my words. And who the fuck doesn't want that? I think I have five or six columns up now. There will be more soon. I'll be bringing on more writers soon. It's going to be a whole thing, so check that shit out. And in the meantime, we're going to talk about what's happening in the world, the politics world, not the regular world. If you want to hear bullshit news, check out Unpops every day. That is our weekly news podcast that is about almost nothing. Some of the most unimportant things you will ever hear, you'll hear on Unpops every day. It is so refreshing. But here on In Broad Daylight, this is where I talk about the ticks. That's short for politics. Saves me time when I talk. So uh, let's get right into it. I don't know how long this episode's going to be. Hopefully four or five minutes if I can make it work. But I have a lot of stories to get through, so maybe not. Not a lot. But some, like this first one, WhatsApp has become a haven for Nazi propaganda in Germany. What a surprise! Article of the same name on Mashable.com by Matt Binder. Or Binder. Pronounce it however you want. Matt's not going to say shit. He's not on this podcast. But a new report shows that WhatsApp users in Germany are successfully spreading Nazi imagery on the app. And just a reminder, Nazi imagery, illegal in Germany. So these people are criminals and Nazis. Gross. But that is the magic of WhatsApp. No one can track anyone who's doing anything on WhatsApp. It is a lawless hellhole filled with dick pics and misinformation about people in India eating beef. That sounds like a joke, but that is a thing that was happening with WhatsApp not too long ago. We talked about it on the What in the World podcast. People were spreading rumors that certain individuals in India were eating beef, which India being a predominantly Hindu population, eating cows is frowned upon, which they're fucking loss, but that's that's their deal. So what people were doing was spreading rumors that individuals were seen eating beef and vigilante mobs would rise up and go find those people and kill them 
or maybe just beat them to within an inch of their life if they were lucky. But it's a thing that is really hard to stop because WhatsApp is one of the most anonymous text messaging apps you can use. There is very little way for anyone, because of the encryption they use, I don't know all of the fucking details, I'm not a tech bro, but there's a reason international criminals have gravitated toward WhatsApp, and it's because it's mostly anonymous. Another thing people were doing in India was spreading videos of alleged child abductions and blaming it on certain... Actually, what would happen is they would spread these videos of alleged child abductions, and then any stranger who came to that town or village would then be, you know, beaten to death because everyone was worried that they were abducting children. Never mind the fact that the child abduction video that was being circulated in a lot of these cases was actually a public service announcement from Pakistan about how you should watch your kids so they don't get abducted. It was a commercial, basically. But it was edited in a way that made it look like an actual attempt at abducting a child. And then all of these video, this video would be spread and the accusation would be, there's strangers in town who are here to take your kids. And then strangers were getting beat to death. And there's not a whole lot anyone can do about it because it's WhatsApp. And that's what's happening now in Germany also, is Nazi propaganda is getting spread in a country where spreading Nazi propaganda is illegal because that app allows for that sort of thing. And I know there are all sorts of arguments as to the value of something like that. It's almost the same as the free speech argument. If you want free speech, sometimes you have to hear some Nazis talk. So I don't know if eliminating WhatsApp altogether is the correct answer, but also it's owned by Facebook. So fuck WhatsApp and its parent company. They can both be burned to the ground for all I care. There are other anonymous messaging apps out there that aren't fronted by Mark Zuckerberg. And they're... Of course, in historic Facebook fashion, they are doing very little about this problem also. This was their complete response to the Nazi propaganda problem in Germany. As a messaging service, we do not have access to private messages shared by users. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you should get access to them. Or maybe you should shut that fucking app down. Maybe everyone in the United States should storm Facebook and burn it to the ground. I'm not advocating that. That would be illegal. I would only do that on WhatsApp. But on this podcast, no, just joking. Don't burn Facebook to the ground physically, but in the figurative sense, absolutely. Good fucking riddance. But also, that is unlikely to ever happen. I can see some regulation happening with Facebook, and I would be all fucking for it. I'm not Trump. I goddamn love government regulations. Put them on Facebook, please. Anyway... Spreading Nazi propaganda makes a decent segue into talking about Trump, which is what so much of this podcast is. It's what so much of a bunch of podcasts I've been hosting recently is, and that's why I'm not doing as many politics podcasts now. I'm doing this. Like, if you really want to hear me talk about Trump and talk about politics, you'll listen to this podcast. I don't know who that message was for because you're already listening to this podcast, but just for future reference, keep up with this one if you want to hear me talk politics. Because 
all of these podcasts take a lot of time and effort to research. That's one thing. And I'm trying to do other things in my career. But also, it's fucking depressing. And that we'll talk about that a little more at the end of this podcast. But making so much of what I do focused on the misery in the world and the fact that the world is on goddamn fire right now is kind of bumming me out. It's uh, stressing me out a little bit, and I'm over it. So don't worry. There will be other podcasts to replace the podcasts that I'm doing away with. They'll just be a little more lighthearted. And in the meantime, if you want to hear me talk about Trump, which I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty great at, this is the podcast for that. You know, I should have put all of that at the top of this episode. That makes a weird bridge between the first story and the next story, even though I said it was going to be a great Segway. The Segway brought to you by Segway. Segway, when you need a Segway. Segway, let's talk about the Department of Justice. DOJ to pause hiring of immigration judges due to budget constraints. Oh, no. This is from an article of the same name on thehill.com by John Bowden. Or maybe it's Bowden. Again, say it however you want. John's not here to correct you. Anyway, the Trump administration is reportedly planning to freeze the hiring of immigration judges due to budgetary constraints. Two things about this story. One, it's not nearly as viral as it should be, I guess, because this is a huge deal. Uh, and it's just not, uh, not getting the coverage it deserves. Either that, or I'm just not watching enough news these days because baseball season's back. Either way, I feel like I'm not hearing about this a whole lot. And it's a huge deal. Because the other thing about this story, the thing that when people do cover it, the thing that's being left out is there are currently 900,000 people waiting to have their immigration cases heard. That's being reported here. What's not being reported is that at Trump's El Paso rally in February, he promised to deport all 900,000 of those people. I did a deep dive into that rally because it was easily one of the most terrifying rallies Trump has done. If nothing else, and I said this on the Cracked podcast that I just did with Alex Schmidt about fascism in Italy, if nothing else, when it comes to Trump, watch all of his rallies. Watch Trump speak to his supporters. That is where you're going to hear all of the really, really scary shit that the Trump administration is kicking around. And his El Paso rally was no exception. Here's a clip of him addressing that backlog of 900,000 cases and how we should deal with them. The number of illegal immigrants crossing our borders is so large that we've nowhere to hold them. We have to build, they want buildings, they want jails, they want these people. How about the word caravan? Caravan. I think that was one of mine, but looked like a caravan. Well, you have thousands and thousands of people coming from Guatemala, from Honduras and El Salvador, and they march up through Mexico. And by the way, if we didn't have walls in those areas, in some cases that we put up, in many cases where we reinforce, in many cases where our great military helped us with barbed wire. You would have people pouring in. They don't pour in. The problem is our laws are so bad, 
that there's no way we can quickly remove them. Other countries say, get out of here. We have to bring them through a court system. We sign their names. They touch our land. We sign them up. We explain to them, please come back in six years for court. And only the dumbest people show back up. Nobody ever shows. Nobody comes back in. Like 2%, they go in to our country. The good news is we have great law enforcement, and many of these people, we know where they are. And we're going to get them the hell out. But we have to change our laws. Did you hear that? Most of these people, we know where they are, and we're going to get them the hell out. We just have to change our laws first. So the fact that Trump is in the midst of all of this, in the midst of a 900,000 case backlog in immigration courts, we are freezing hiring of immigration judges. That is a troubling development when you couple it with the fact that he said he just wants to deport those 900,000 people. This is why you have to watch these fucking rallies and not depend on CNN's Chris Saliza to tell you all the neat stuff that happened in it. You know what Chris Saliza focused on at this point in the rally when he covered it? Which, by the way, he did a article about the 50 most shocking points from this El Paso rally and did not mention the part where Trump said he wants to deport 900,000 people. That is your mainstream media at work, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why listen to what Trump says for yourself and form your own opinions from there. I'm not saying the media is the enemy of the people. I'm not saying any shit like that. I'm just saying do some of your own research and form some of your own opinions also. You never know. Maybe it'll turn into a fucking podcast network someday. But that is concerning that we are now putting a freeze on hiring immigration judges in the midst of all this. It's a a troubling development. Also a troubling development, the Trump administration proposed housing migrant children at Guantanamo Bay. Children at Guantanamo Bay. Remember when Obama was supposed to close Guantanamo Bay? Thanks, Obama. Now it's in Trump's hands, and kids are going to be fucking living there. There was an article of the same name, and when I say same name, I mean Trump administration proposed housing migrant children at Guantanamo Bay. Article of the same name on Salon.com by Shira Tarlow. And this was originally reported on by the New York Times. But the New York Times has a paywall. And if I just link to the New York Times and tell you to go check out those articles throughout all of these podcasts, eventually you're not going to be able to read the articles. So check out Salon.com. Not saying paywalls are a bad thing. The New York Times does a lot of really important work and they deserve to be fucking paid for it. I subscribe to the digital version. I don't get a fucking 15-pound Sunday New York Times thrown at my apartment every week. But I pay for access. I pay for that. I pay for the Washington Post. I pay for the Miami Herald, which, holy shit, if you want to read some top-notch goddamn reporting, especially on stuff like Venezuela, check out the Miami Herald. You could do a whole lot worse. But uh, (laughs) that was a long tangent to tell you where... I found this article. Anyway, the Department of Defense awarded a California-based construction company a $23 million contract in February to build a, and this is a quote, contingency mass migration complex at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. 
in case you were thinking of another Guantanamo Bay. The idea was first proposed earlier this year as Homeland Security was looking for military facilities where migrants could be housed. And that particular detail shouldn't shock anyone. Way, way, way early in Trump's presidency. I also did an episode about this on In Broad Daylight back in the the early days when I didn't really know what I was doing when it came to solo podcasts. But it's all about an executive order Trump issued that basically called for detention facilities to be built along the border. And in cases where detention facilities couldn't be built fast enough, we had to start looking into existing structures to see if they were a possibility for detaining migrants. And looks like we found one in Guantanamo Bay. The idea hasn't gained a lot of traction within the Trump administration, allegedly. This article spoke to some administration officials or people tied to it, and their claim is that because the optics of this would be so bad, you know, putting children in Guantanamo Bay, that's going to raise some eyebrows, maybe. Like, it's hard to tell what stories will and won't resonate with people these days. But I think they're right that 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 would be a weird look for them. So according to this article, the idea hasn't caught on that much. But they also awarded that contract for $23 million. And it's not like they took that money back. That work that they paid for is being done. And this facility is going to be completed by December 2019. So... Have they given up on this idea or have they just put it off until the idea of housing migrants indefinitely in detention facilities becomes a little more normal and palatable? You know, when it's just just another talking point that political pundits debate, maybe then they'll go for it. But I wouldn't get too confident that this will never happen. Especially because this news is coming not long after William Barr announced that the administration would soon begin jailing asylum seekers indefinitely. What the fuck does that mean? Just forever? Like, well, we can't send you back to Guatemala, but we can put you in a prison cell for the rest of your life. Which, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like a lot of people fleeing Central America would still take that option over staying in Central America, which is all the more proof that most of these asylum claims are 100% legitimate. But we treat them like criminals anyway because USA. And this is happening in tandem with Trump and Jared Kushner very, very, very quietly putting more and more prison reform measures on the books, which here's the conundrum with that. We absolutely need prison reform in this country. And a lot of the things the Trump administration is calling for in regards to prison reform, we absolutely need it. It is there is no fucking debating that the criminal justice system has been horrifically biased against people of color like that. I don't know if even anyone on the the right would even bother trying to argue against that point. We all know this. And justice reform is a thing that definitely needs to happen. What doesn't need to happen is, oh, well, we let all these people out of prison. We got to put more people in those prisons. These are private prisons. Who are we going to fill them with? We're going to fill them with migrants. That's who we're going to fill those private prisons with. This is another Trump handout to 
the corporate giants of America, and it involves real lives and people that will be irreparably harmed by these decisions. People will die because of this shit. So things like this really, really matter. And they are things that I know we have a lot going on right now. I don't care. We have to pay attention to shit like this, too. There's there's no other choice. I know the Mueller report is 400 pages long, and a lot of us haven't read a 400-page book in our entire life. But uh, there are a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to Trump and the way he is ruining lives every day in this country. And we got to keep on top of all of them because this is the kind of thing that wins elections. Letting people out of prison is going to generate some fucking votes. And I don't know, man, if you still want to criticize that move, maybe saying that it's really just an effort to replace our prison population with a migrant population, maybe that's a good, uh, maybe that's a good starting point. Maybe we should bring up that prison reform shouldn't happen at the expense of brown people. That might, that, that might make for a good debate talking point, but I'm not a goddamn politician. I just uh, worry about the things they do. Anyway, don't discount that uh, this is going to be a big part of Trump's strategy in 2020. But hey, he's not going to win in 2020, right? He might. He, he probably will. And even if he doesn't, is he going to leave office or are we going to have to go in there and get him out of office? I, I feel like if if you're confident that he's going to leave office peacefully, I don't know. You're lying to yourself. And on that same note, let's talk about a little joke Trump made recently. Speaking at a Wounded Warrior Project gathering, they gave him a trophy as a token of appreciation for all the things Trump has done for veterans like Veterans Choice, which, as I talked about also on the El Paso episode, it's actually an Obama initiative, and it's been a fucking disaster. But Trump pushes it as a win, and no one goddamn questions him about it because we're all reading the Mueller report. And they gave him a a trophy as a token of appreciation, and this is what he said in response to that. This will find a permanent place, at least for six years, in the Oval Office. I was going to say for at least 10 to 14 years, but we could cause bedlam. So we'll say six. And everyone reported this as Trump jokes about 10 to 14 years in office. This isn't a fucking joke. This is what fascists do. They put ideas out there, just float them out into the public, see how people respond. If we don't immediately take to the streets and threaten to burn their shit down, those plans move forward. And when you take into account that Michael Cohen in front of Congress said if Trump loses, he's not going to leave office peacefully. This is a legitimate concern, but it's being portrayed in the media as a joke. And don't get me wrong, Trump does joke sometimes. David Wong, who I used to work with at Cracked, had a a pretty great thread about what Trump said about how Washington uh, should have named all these things after himself, otherwise people don't remember him. That was Trump making a joke. A speechwriter probably wrote that joke, and it, was an, it wasn't the worst joke. But people reacted to that like, one, like he was being serious, and two, like him saying that fucking mattered at all. I don't give a shit what Trump thinks George Washington should have done in regards to naming fucking buildings and cities. Who cares? 
joke or not, that shit happened a long time ago. I don't fucking care. But when Trump says something like this, it's immediately a joke, and we all just laugh it off. We don't get mad about this joke. We don't tweet about this joke. But this is the fucking joke, and I put air quotes around at that time, that we should be tweeting about. This is the shit we should be upset about because it's terrifying. This is the American president making not his first joke about how maybe he'll just never leave office. Remember when China, Xi Jinping, he passed a law that will allow him to be president for life, essentially. And when that happened, what did Trump do? He got in front of his supporters and he joked that maybe maybe the United States will have a president for life someday. Someday. Or maybe we'll just have a presidential family for life. Will that be better? I don't know. But in the name of drawing a comparison here, I was, again, as I mentioned, I was on the Cracked podcast recently and we talked about fascism in Italy. After that episode, Alex Schmidt tweeted a really good example. On October 24th, 1922, Mussolini joked at the fascist Congress in Naples. This is a quote. Our program is simple. We want to rule Italy. (laughs) Funny stuff. A week later, he marched on Rome. And not long after that, the fascists ruled Italy. And it did not end well for anyone, if you recall. Check those history books for WWII. So when Trump cracks jokes like this, it's alarming. And it's a thing we should care about. So care about it. Fuck him saying Washington should have named more stuff about himself. That's the kind of shit you can ignore. Stuff like this, not so much. It sounds like a joke. He presents it as a joke. But is it? When his personal lawyer goes in front of Congress and says, hey, that guy's not going to leave office peacefully if he loses. Is Michael Cohen just making that up? I don't think so. I trust Michael Cohen infinitely more than I trust Trump. And... I believe him when he says that. So that's a worrying thing that happened. So now to close out, let's talk about the Mueller report, which was released. God, I feel like it was just last weekend, right? Wasn't it like last Friday? It feels like it has been with us our entire lives because it sort of has. It's been happening the a good part of the Trump presidency and for good reason. But the Mueller report feels like it's been around for a long time, but it's been about a week since it came out. And I have, having read the Mueller report, I have exactly two words to describe it. Disaster porn. That is what the Mueller report is. And if you're not familiar with the term disaster porn, it refers to that thing where a a disaster happens and then the media just covers it incessantly. You turn on the TV and there's nothing but coverage of this one thing, but it's also a a sort of exploitative thing where the coverage is usually because that's what people are talking about and it's going to make them the most money. Even if it's not in the best interest of the public's mental health. Here's a question. Since Trump's election, have you experienced any of the following symptoms? Sadness and depression. Feelings of hopelessness or helplessness. Irritability and anger. Fear and anxiety about the future. Hypervigilance, which is constantly being on high alert and feeling a need to be ready for the next crisis. Apathy and emotional numbing or increased use or misuse 
of alcohol and drugs. If any of that sounds like you since Trump got elected, just a heads up, that list I read is the list of symptoms that exposure to a disaster can cause. And I would argue that Trump becoming the 45th president of the United States was the textbook definition of a disaster. So if any of that sounds like you, good news, you can blame Trump, just like we do for everything, but only because everything is his fault. And the thing about the mental health symptoms that can present themselves after you've been survived a disaster, I want to say victim of a disaster, but that sort of implies that you died, which is there any more effective mental health relief? Who knows? We'll all find out someday. But you're probably not the ones who are depressed if you died in it. Where am I going with that? Jesus Christ. So those are the symptoms that if you've been exposed to a disaster, you might experience. And this part's important. Those symptoms, according to medical professionals, can persist for up to three years or a little longer if the disaster resulted from human action. And that three-year number is important but we'll get to it in a second. First, I just want to mention that even if you don't recognize any of those symptoms in yourself, under Trump, stress, anxiety, and mental health issues in general have gone up. The American Psychological Association's 2016 Stress in America survey found that 63% of respondents regard the future of the country as a significant source of stress. 56% said they're stressed by the current political debate. Those numbers in the 2018 report increased to 69%, nice, and 62%. So it's going up. And clinical psychologist Jennifer Panning calls this phenomenon Trump anxiety disorder. It's a specific type of anxiety in which symptoms were specific to the election of Donald Trump and the resultant unpredictable sociopolitical climate. It is especially bad with minority or marginalized populations, if you can believe that. And even worse, another study by online healthcare portal CareDash revealed that 41% of people age 18 to 44 say they've turned to unhealthy behaviors like drinking, smoking, or overeating to cope with election stress. And that is called election stress disorder. It's a phenomena where the emotional toddler brain takes over the impulse control adult brain. And Stephen Stosny, a doctor who partnered with CareDash for the survey, called it that because he assumed it would go away. This is a quote. I predicted that it would take until Christmas to wear off, so my prediction was totally wrong. So now he calls it headline stress disorder because that shit is not going away. And that's where that three-year number comes into play. Because again, that's the approximate amount of time that mental health issues caused by exposure to a tragedy should last. So here we are at the point where that depression should be wearing off. We're in year three of the Trump presidency. So we're at that point where our, our blues should be subsiding and our resolve to tackle this problem in fucking 2020, is on the rise. And in the midst of all that, we get hit with a 400-page reminder that someone went to great lengths to illegally influence this election in Trump's favor, and he's not going to face any repercussions over it. 
Not anytime soon, anyway. Which means we aren't going to stop talking about it anytime soon. So at the point where we should be getting our shit together, we get this extensive reminder of what happened in 2016, how it happened, why it happened, and we're going to talk about it probably through Trump's third or fourth term, if I'm being completely honest. I don't see us letting up on the details of the Mueller report anytime soon. Even if we we had the capacity to have a document like this dropped in our lap, read it, and then move on to the really important task at hand, which is making sure Trump is removed from office in 2020, even if we were able to just read that and put it behind us, the last thing mentioned in the Mueller report, 14 other cases that were referred to other agencies for investigations. We know two of them, Michael Cohen and George Papadopoulos, whose name I spelled correctly on the first try in the notes for this episode. I was impressed too. But we know about those two. We don't know what these other 12 are or who they're going to target. But what we do know is that we're going to hear about the details of Trump winning the election in 2016 constantly for several months to come. And that's why I argue that the Mueller report at this point in American history is mostly just ill-timed disaster porn. It is the last fucking thing we need in 2019. Had he wrapped this up in 2017 or 2018? Maybe. But coming at the point where it's coming now, where we should be from a clinical psychology standpoint and just from it's time to get our shit in gear, the election is coming standpoint, we should be way more focused on what we can do to take votes away from Trump because it's starting to look like our only option for getting him out of office, again, if that even works. But instead, we're going to hear about these 12 other investigations Hate to break this to you, but next month, Court TV is coming back. Remember Court TV that would just televise actual court cases around the clock? A horrifying institution, which I'm, I'm going to talk about it on another solo podcast, I think, that I'm planning soon. But uh, the decision to allow televised court cases was not a good one. And my only hope is that all of these, all 12 of these upcoming investigations, I hope none of them are allowed to be televised if it gets to the point where there's a prosecution and a trial. Because, my God, the combination of having to make it through 12 more trials and having them all televised, I don't know if we're even going to remember to vote in 2020 if it comes to that. This fucking Mueller report is going to consume every waking moment of our lives and it cannot this is one path to getting trump out of office it's by no means the only path to getting trump out of office and we should have people on all of those paths right now and they should be focusing all of their time on every possible means of getting trump kicked out of office or just making sure he loses in 2020 and then you know, sending the military in to go get him. Whatever the case, it is in our best interest to not be completely consumed by the Mueller report and its reminders about the disaster we went through in 2016. 
But here it is, and here it comes. We are going to be hearing about it for a long time, and I really hope, I hope it's not too triggering for you libs who uh, survived Trump's 2016 election and uh, are just now dealing with the mental issues that that caused. Here's hoping the Mueller report doesn't bring all that rushing back. <laughs> rushing back. Oh, man. That was a sad way to put it. I'm sad right now. God damn it. Don't read the Mueller report. That fucking, it's like if your ex cheated on you and she issued a 400-page report about the dude she fucked. Or if your boyfriend cheated on you and issued a 400-page report about the woman he fucked. You wouldn't want to read it and you shouldn't read it, but you'd probably read it. And that's a problem. Don't read it. You know what's in the Mueller. I've read it. What's in the Mueller report, you know most of it. Like, we know, if anything, the only the only thing I came away from the Mueller report really convinced about is that Trump definitely wants to be president. So if you're still one of those people who is clinging to this notion that Trump is just in office because he wanted publicity and it all went too far, you should probably read the Mueller report because that motherfucker definitely wants to be president and he wants to be president for a long fucking time. And wallowing in the sad details of the Mueller report is one way that could happen for him. If we get, I'm not saying it's unimportant and I'm obviously what happened between the Trump campaign and Russia very much matters. I'm just saying it's not the only thing that matters and don't let it be the only thing that matters. Don't make it the thing that you assume Democrats are going to win in 2020 on. If average middle-of-the-road centrist Americans really cared about the allegations in the Mueller report, we'd probably have a revolution on our hands right now. But they don't. And no matter how much you care about it, focusing all your time and energy on it isn't going to make the outcome that much different. Congress might uh, move to impeach him. That's a whole other thing. That's their job. If you want to put some pressure on them from time to time to do that, by all means. But just don't let the Mueller report turn into the disaster porn that it already is. We have other shit to worry about. Like the fact that I am sweating like a goddamn pig up in this studio. Why didn't I turn the air conditioning on? What the fuck? It's fine, though, because that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to check out medium.com slash unpops. I'll have a more detailed article about the disaster porn thing up on Medium. And uh, I, also, I have a bunch of other articles up there right now. So uh, go read my word stuff. It's pretty good sometimes. And also come to the Unpop stand-up show this Saturday at the Hollywood Hotel, 9 p.m. It's free. It's going to be one of the last shows I do for a while. Taking a little break from comedy. Not really comedy. L.A. comedy. I'm going to be writing new comedy, and I'm going to be taking that shit on the road. But for the next few months, I'm not going to be doing any shows in L.A. So if you're in the area, come out, watch me tell jokes. Uh, I got one more show after that, then I'm, I'm, I'm taking a nap. But uh, it's going to be a fun show. I'm on it. Carrie Martin's on it. Keith Carey is on it. Two Carries, huh? Matt Lieb, Quincy Johnson II, Andy Sell, uh, Rachel Friedland, Travis Clark, probably some other people. I don't know. There's lots of people on the show. It's going to be fun. It's free. And it's going to be one of my last for a while. So come out to that. And, uh, you know, 
Check out all the other Unpops podcasts. If you want to hear this podcast ad-free, subscribe on Patreon. You get a bunch of other bonus shit, too. Patreon.com slash Unpops. And that's it. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Goodbye, everybody. I love you. <laughs>